Hello, welcome to Episode Party. I'm Jack Tudor. I'm Freddie Harrison. And this is the podcast where us two hosts chat about podcasts with uh, different special guests each time we've all come forth with a recommendation. And our special guest today is Matt Berkowitz. Hello, Matt. Hey, Jack and Freddie. Thanks so much for having me on. You're welcome. No problem. So Matt um, is the creator of a uh, video series called Science Literacy, um, which is due to be relaunched very soon. I understand, Matt. Is that right? Yeah, I released the first couple of episodes uh, about a year ago, and I uh, just ran into some time constraint issues. And uh, But now I'm going to be relaunching it and have a bunch more episodes to bring. Nice. Sweet. Great. Well, we look forward to that. Um, now, we, as usual, have brought our recommendations to the table. We've all gone away and listened to them. Uh, and now we're coming back here to regroup and, and talk about them. I- I'm going to kick off uh, with my recommendation uh, for these two, which is Lexicon Valley, um, which is a podcast by Slate. And it's hosted by a chap called John McWhorter, who's a, a, an American academic and linguist uh, as well as being an associate professor at Columbia University. Uh, and it's a podcast about the, uh, I guess, the nature of spoken and written language uh, and the kind of pressures, cultural and historical, that influence the way that we speak and write. So some of the podcasts that he does are based around interviews um, with experts in their field, like this one uh, that I recommended, which is on the use of the word like. Some of them are like, um, almost feel like, Uh, lectures or seminars where he'll run through a concept and he'll do that really teacherly thing of like here's a point I'm making here's an example and here's me dissecting it which took me back to doing that relentlessly in English classes um, back when I was like 15 but um, I think he just has that manner about him where he knows the way to uh, uh, imprint information upon people and make it stick um he's he sounds as well like a teacher as well his tone of voice his delivery and uh it never feels condescending at all you don't feel like you're just being spoken down to you're just being taken along for the ride by a guy who's just thoroughly jovial and 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 really has a passion for what he's doing but um yeah so this one that i um i recommended is is about the use of the word like and about the innumerable uses of the word that extend beyond those basic uses of like for uh, for like something being similar to something or um like being having affection for something and you know it's that kind of like well you know like like those kind of uses that i'm using all the time right now it dives into the I, I guess the grammatical and semantic use of those where they come from why people use them um, where they're most prevalent and i just think the the way that it's put across uh, has a real appeal to me i just love as i say his delivery his style of approaching the subjects he does a lot of silly voices which come out of nowhere but always uh, i really enjoy because you know i'm a silly voice kind of guy and um yeah i've listened to it for a while now he did another really interesting one on the presence of black english slang uh and uh, stylistics in like modern media and culture particularly aimed towards uh, young people um and also about the way that people speak in old american movies where they uh, speak like that and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he does a whole thing about that and dissecting that language, which is kind of something that you're sort of 
peripherally aware of but never really think to question so it's just it's a, as someone as well who just uses words a lot which you know i don't think i'm exactly a unique case but i guess scrutinizes my language a lot i should say um i just find it quite interesting um i'd love to know what you think freds do you want to give us your thoughts yeah sure um you recommended lexicon valley to me probably i don't know maybe four or five months ago now jack i think we we were having a chat and i think this is kind of the genesis of episode party before we even knew it where we had a kind of big chat on whatsapp about kind of podcasts we were listening to and i was asking you for some recommendations and i mentioned that i listened to and really enjoyed the illusionist with helen zaltzman um which is uh, another podcast about language and and the written word, especially. And you said, check out Lexicon Valley. Um, And I I subscribed and I gave it it a listen of probably three or four episodes, I'd say. And I enjoyed the content, but I guess I found it a little bit flat. Um, I don't know. I think it's no surprise now, kind of uh, six, seven episodes into episode party, that I'm a fan of kind of like highly produced podcasts where there's lots of stuff going on and i have to be in a real mindset to listen to straight interviews or having one person chat at you for quite a while um so i I kind of fall in and out of love with lexicon valley sometimes i find it fascinating and sometimes i really want to listen for a very long time and other times i i just can't bear it because i'm just i'm just not in the mood to listen to a one person that sounds like every lecturer I had at uni chat at me <laughs> about a, a topic. And, I, I, you know, I can kind of imagine, like, the, the little rooms where I used to go for, like, one-to-ones with my lecturers at uni. Like, I just imagine him setting up a microphone in there and just chatting away <laughs> after he's just kind of done a done a, a session on a dissertation with a student where he's talked them to death. Um, but that said, I, I, I'm giving it a really, like, I'm re- being real harsh here. Like, John is super interesting and obviously knows a lot about his his subject and um and there's a lot to be gained from that and i think that's to his credit that i've been as interested as i have been in it um and i find the this like i say the the subject matter fascinating like i just wish maybe that there were more examples of the kind of things he's talking about that aren't just him doing silly voices i know you love a silly voice jack yeah. but <laughs> i think sometimes when he when he like refers to oh you know in the 60s people talked like this i i just love it if they the, the all of a sudden a clip came from the 60s of someone talking like that that's what i really really want and i guess i guess that comes with the fact that, that maybe this podcast doesn't have a producer or a team behind in the way that some of the podcasts i really enjoy do what i'd love to see now is like uh, a lexicon valley uh, illusionist podcast crossover with a conversation between john and helen zaltzman i think it'd be it'd be some kind of podcast and i think yeah i think that's the kind of middle ground i'm I'm searching for i think i'm I'm searching for the kind of excitement of the illusionist and the 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 the, the kind of uh the depth of lexicon valley but i do really enjoy it um but it's just it just depends on my mood and i think it's just one of those ones that sometimes episodes will grab me and sometimes the subject matter will grab me and sometimes it really won't so i'm i'm kind of uh yeah i'm 50 50 about it jack i say i say yeah i i enjoy it i think it's i think it's a great podcast and i think john's a really fascinating and knowledgeable bloke and and everything he talks about is really interesting but sometimes i'm just a little bit um too switched off to, to kind of d- to deal with it maybe i'm just a bit of a dummy i don't know um but yeah i i, I I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle with it i'd say all right then five out of ten um matt i'd love to know what you think of of this one 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, if I may preface, I sort of want to briefly run down my general approach to listening to podcasts. Oh, yes, please. Sure. Go for yeah, it. because just commenting on podcasts without the sort of context in which you or criteria you use to evaluate it might not be as informative. So, sure. you know, it, it tends not to be my preferred medium to learn about a new subject because it's difficult to verify what is being to, what is being discussed. And, and to do so, you sort of have to seek out legitimate primary sources. So I tend to just go directly to those sources rather than having them filtered and potentially distorted through other media. But uh, I do definitely appreciate podcasts to introduce me to ideas I hadn't considered that I can then investigate myself or just to present difficult conversations that uh, simply don't take place in, in conventional media. And I'm, I'm not as bothered by, you know, lack of production quality. To me, I'm pretty much just evaluating each podcast by the specific content that's put out. So I guess I won't have a lot of the criticisms of the Lexicon Valley one uh, that Freddie did. But um, that being said, I, I really enjoyed the specific episode. I, I haven't had a chance to listen to the other episodes to to compare it to, but I really liked this one, and I, I really liked the guest. Uh, it was a sociolinguist, Alexandra Darcy, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it, McDarcy, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and she's, she's actually over here at the University of Victoria, just uh, an hour ferry ride from, or hour and a half ferry ride from Vancouver, where I am. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I really liked it. It was very accessible. Like you said, Jack, it wasn't condescending at all. And um, I really enjoyed hearing the, the different roles that the term light can play, whether it's as a comparison um, or it's just a filler or whether it's a quotative, you know, when you're describing, I was like this and this person was like, yeah, totally, man. And, uh, you know, I, I just finished reading, you, you might be familiar with uh, the cognitive scientist and linguist uh, Steven Pinker. He's uh, pretty prolific in the books that he's written uh, on language as well as other subjects. And I've, I've just finished reading uh, his first, um, I guess, general lay public book called The Language Instinct back from 1994, as well as his most recent one called The Sense of Style. And uh, he's certainly converted me to be less of a stickler for uh, certain uh, uses of, of terms. And that seems to be matched in this podcast. They they seem to not be as uh, as hard on people who you know, talk in, in a, with a lot of slang or with a lot of filler and to just sort of describe what it is that people are, are doing when they, when they use these words. And so they tend to be more on the descriptivist side of it than prescriptive, which, uh, p- uh, which is a topic that Pinker talks a lot about in his work. So, yeah, I, I really found it enlightening and it's changed my perception on um, being so immediately judgmental on people who use the term like. Um, although I also, I also tend not to use it, I tend to err away from it, um, even if it may have utility, just because I think I can always find more precise language to use than, than filler terms like that. Give it a, a solid eight or, eight or nine out of ten, and I like that it was brief, that I could fit it in in a short, a short space of time. Nice. I feel like we should probably, at this stage as well, uh, I probably should have said this at the start, but you know, I'm a what I would call an amateur host. We should say what your motive is for doing science literacy, because I think, I, I guess, like, the motive for why you're doing science literacy, I think probably informs the level of scrutiny that you apply over, perhaps, podcasts uh, and um, driving information from them in a way that maybe Freddie and I aren't kind of primed for in the, in the in the things that we're doing outside of listening to podcasts, if that makes sense. Could you kind of, like 
talk about why so what like science literacy and like um your motive for doing that and how it kind of informs as well how you approach these ones these podcasts yeah sure my my motive for doing science literacy is i i guess straightforward that uh if i could mandate one thing to be taught throughout uh primary school and high school and university education it would be to be informed about uh, cognitive biases so what are all the the different factors that distort our thinking and, and make us make mistakes about what it is we're evaluating. So science literacy essentially is targeted towards exactly that. If someone makes a scientific claim, what steps should you take to evaluate them? So yeah, it feeds into my the way I perceive podcasts because I'm always thinking when I'm listening to a podcast, is, are the ideas that they're presenting to me, are they just sort of fringe or do they represent the the mainstream consensus view of leading experts in a field um, is there some controversy over it and some a lot of the times it's, it's just not clear to me and that's sort of why I tend to stay away from a lot of podcasts because I just don't have the time to be able to sort out fact from fiction and so uh, going back to the way I, I sort of approach podcasts is just listen to ones that give you a, an intro on on topics that I I'm interested in, and then I use that as a kickoff point for doing more uh, rigorous investigation. Totally. I just thought it would be worth interjecting there because I feel like it's probably quite informative to the way that you're, you're, you're going to be going about this discussion, really. But as well, I wanted to go back to, to Freddie. I can't even remember what I was going to say to you, Fred. But I think, um, yeah, it's interesting you said about <laughs> the example, um, the lack of examples, Fred, because... I don't know the ones I've heard. He's always he, he he does tend to kind of like go off and 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 cite something and then um, like bring up an example of the technique in action. I think the thing for me with the examples is sometimes they um uh I don't know from quite abstract sources that I'm not maybe familiar with. So I'm like that's a you know that's an example, but it means you know nothing to me. Does it just feel a bit like I don't know? Do you just feel perhaps a bit disconnected? from the content because it's not kind of being brought brought to I guess the frame of reference that maybe you and I share because I I do feel that a little bit I think that um if there's one thing that I've become aware of in the last six months it's it's how short my attention span has has become (laughs) um which is which is hilarious in a way but also is like entirely scary in that I can't physically concentrate on on something for a very long time and uh we'll talk about this later because i I, i've I've done some other listening outside of outside of recommendations which i can talk about um Uh, that brings into this but i think my my ability to kind of concentrate on anything for more than 15 minutes at a time is is it's bad um to say to say the least so sometimes i just need something audibly exciting to kind of um keep my attention but like i say it's it's all context dependent and if i'm in the right frame of mind and if i'm in the right uh if i'm not doing anything that requires outside concentration then i can i can really get involved and i think uh the way i kind of approach lexicon valley and and a lot of other podcasts is that especially longer podcasts is that i will dip in and out of them and i i kind of cherry pick as well like and and as as a result i will cherry pick so I'll, i'll go through the archive of episodes and and find particular episodes that the synopsis kind of piques my interest um 
you know, personally in terms of the different things that I'm kind of interested in, um, which is bad in a way because I, it doesn't expose me to the kind of range of subjects and opinions that I probably ought to try and expose myself to. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 certainly no slight on Lexicon Valley. Um, I think it's a, a brilliant podcast. I think. Um, it just depends on, uh, on on like what level you're willing to give it your full attention, I guess. And also the fact that I'm just, you know, just a bit of a dummy at times and just kind of switch <laughs> off if it gets all a bit too academic for my uh, for my tastes. But um, I mean, I, I mean, I, I come at this from the context of the fact that I'm a, I'm a copywriter um, and, you know, primarily work in advertising and marketing where the, the primary aim of the game is to make things as simple and stupid as possible. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of have a, I, although I have an appreciation of academic language and literature um, and I, I really enjoy it to a, to a great lesser extent i my natural reaction as a copywriter who uh, spends most of the most of my days kind of to, for want of a better phrase dumbing down uh the the source material my natural i have like a natural aversion to, to big words um which is really <laughs> annoying and really stupid because it's not uh, indicative of my own personal taste but um it's just something that happens um so i think lexicon valley sometimes just sets me off like that yeah i think it's interesting that we're talking about uh, Matt, you seem to have triggered this reflection on the context around uh, like ourselves as podcast listeners and how that becomes like a lens through which we view what we're listening to or what we pick to listen to. Because I think mm. me and Freddie, if we spill outside the podcasts that we're listening to to talk about podcasts as a wider discussion, it generally just talks about uh, we talk about listen to podcasts while we're washing up or ironing. So it's just basically we we just spill over into the crossover between podcasts and domestic chores. So it's nice to be able to think <laughs> about it through other perspectives as well, you know. I'd like to uh, move on to your one now, Matt. I mean, with Freddie's um, short attention span, this one could have been a, a mountain to climb, but we'll we'll see when Freddie speaks about it later. Yeah, I was worried about I was worried about that. Uh, just hearing Freddie. Uh... <laughs> uh, would you like to introduce your podcast recommendation? Sure. Yeah. So I recommended. Sam Harris's uh, Waking Up podcast. Uh, Sam Harris, for those who don't know, is a, a neuroscientist and author of many best-selling books uh, on science and philosophy, and uh, somewhat controversial. Um, he's taken a lot of edgy positions um, regarding religion and morality and, uh, I guess, foreign affairs. But I always find him extremely articulate, incisive, and, and intellectually honest. And uh, the specific episode I recommended was with a man named William McCaskill, who was the founder of the Effective Altruism Movement. It's a global movement that essentially seeks to use evidence and reason to do good in the world. And so that was the discussion. Uh, I think it spans, was it over two hours? Uh, yeah. But I found it yeah. extremely engaging uh, the entire way through, and they talked about a lot of extremely interesting topics. Um, I don't know if you want to go, where you want to go from there. I just love it. I love Sam. I think he's great. Um, for the reasons that you've stated, and I think as well, he's just, again, Freddie, we've talked about this before, but you get podcasters who impose their ego so much on the conversation that basically mm. what you're hearing is less what they're saying and more just the fact that they're like, I am talking, this is what I know. I just want to prove to an expert that I know what I know. And if they want to chip in every now and then with some stats to back that up, then great. Whereas Sam, I think, is genuinely interested and removes, um, I, I guess, removes his desire to 
portray himself as a clever guy for the benefit of trying to know more about the subject and get a really good podcast out of it. I mean, this one with Will was awesome. Uh, I've listened to one interview with Will before by Tim Ferriss, and I felt this one I got infinitely more out of. I just love it. He just dives deeper and deeper, and I think Sam just kind of almost... Here's the kind of general idea that Il's dri- um, Il? Will is driving for, and... Um, just wants to get an entire layer of the landscape of that ideology and and you know there's a lot of uh what do you call them thought like thought what do you call them thought puzzles not thought puzzles like thought problems where they play out circumstances which test the limits of um will's will's ideology and, and w- what point does that break and what point does it become problematic and uh, you know the whole bit near the end about the repugnant conclusion and basically them drawing out this sort of utilitarian ideal of you know bringing the most happiness possible over the widest population possible and how that basically means if you have billions of barely happy people then that is better potentially than thousands of extremely happy people which i think is great because um you know the kind of maths works out but it feels inherently wrong and so there's that going on them trying to negotiate the fact that where it's like okay well if this is what we're driving for and this is the kind of the mechanics that we've got in play then why does it not feel right and then working through that just made me just absolutely delighted on another thing as well um i love that all his podcasts are titled with the subject of discussion not the person who's being discussed with which i think says a lot about sam's priorities freddie what what did you make of um of sam sam harris and waking up sure i um yeah i i i have a i have a small small history with with sam harris in that i've i've got his book waking up which i i've not finished um and i'm still working (laughs) on i think i think mainly because i'm trying to read it at night and it's pretty heavy going for like when you're almost asleep oh man um but as an individual and uh in terms of his his ideas i i find him fascinating um and i was kind of loosely aware that he had a podcast um but i'd never listened to it um and when i saw matt your recommendation for the for the episode with will mccaskill i was i was really interested because i'm also aware of will mccaskill i've listened to the same uh interview uh that jack has with him and tim ferris so i knew a little bit about him and I, i've looked into the effective altruism movement jack i believe i gifted you a copy of doing good better which is a, a book by will mccaskill yes thank um, you or at least partly by him and i've got a copy myself um on, on my kindle which i haven't read at all it seems really interesting again i haven't read it which probably says a lot about me um <laughs> but i'm going to i'm going to it's just there with good intentions um so anyway th- th- this 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 episode was automatically fascinating before i'd even hit play um and when i did i was i was really into it i, I i've got to say there were moments where i kind of like kind of drifted off a little bit in terms of my attention uh, specifically when they are talking about these kind of um hypothetical scenarios about um you know I'm, I'm familiar with the one about standing by the lake and and seeing someone drowning and and, and letting that happen as a scenario um but then when when we started extending that about the house fire and your kids are in there but there's also this very expensive painting which you could sell and buy yeah. mosquito nets with i found that um i just i kind of lost it a little bit there i i understand the the, the exercise but i just didn't i just i lost it a little bit but there were some really interesting parts um i found the topic about um 
funding and and the, the the kind of world of like medicine research i found that really interesting i think i got a little bit of a hint of um matt what you were saying about um sam's views um being you know pot- potentially a little controversial in places when they started talking about the effects of migration and and things like that which was which is interesting and i, I liked the way that he spoke about it and i liked the way that he presented it so all in all i kind of like it 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 was a really interesting um interesting conversation it is quite a long conversation i actually kind of did it in about three parts i think i Mm. kind of stopped and started uh over over a couple of days um but i found it really interesting and i was really intrigued to see what uh the rest of the podcast was like so i also picked up another episode uh which was the one with uh tristan harris um who i'm kind of i'm familiar with anyway um really intrigued by his work and i found that one particularly good uh uh, to listen to because at the beginning sam talks about the fact that it's an area of interest that he doesn't know a great deal about so it was a bit of a learning experience for him and and it came across and i think uh i think the measure of, of of someone who like like sam when they're they're hosting their podcast is how they're willing to kind of let their guests uh school them in in something and i think i think sam did a great job of that um so um yeah it, it's it's a real solid recommendation i really enjoyed the episode the you recommended with McCaskill and uh, it was certainly good to dive into to the one with Tristan and and hopefully I'll, I'll find some more that are really interesting too yeah have you had that one with Tristan Matt yeah I think I'm actually all caught up on Sam's episodes now so I have heard them all oh, wow <laughs> whoa yeah I'll tell you what I like as well is um I think Sam's sense of humor as well generally for me I, I <laughs> the sense of humor aspect for me is something I think I'm always quite attuned to because i like the way that it slips into these discussions um even when they feel like they've passed the point where which humor can get a foothold but sam's sort of dry delivery i haven't heard him laugh much but he just you know delivers these little lines um often which are just like based on like logical absurdity absurdities and stuff or just little dry remarks are really funny yeah one of his favorite ones uh I don't know if you if you're familiar with Paul Bloom. He's done three podcasts with him, and the right. the latest right. one they're talking about uh, self-driving cars and the morality of them. And uh, you know, Sam always talks about how the self-driving cars will be much better than uh, ape-driven cars, <laughs> which always gets a chuckle for me. <laughs> and uh, they're talking about how the the cars should be programmed and you know the ethical considerations that go along with that. And so at one point they had remarked about how if you're not giving enough to charity, then the, pro- the, the self-driving car should uh, be programmed to drive you straight to Oxfam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, I like him a lot. I, I think there's one, I, the, the one I listened to, I think it was the Gary Taubes one, actually, where he, they're talking to begin with about the problem of um, stud- uh, studying nutrition. He said something along the lines of like, we're getting ready to colonize Mars and we haven't even figured out what the people are going to eat aboard the space shuttle yet. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> right. which, <laughs> it's really cool. Freds, you have also brought a recommendation to the table uh, and I would love to know more about it, please. Yeah, I think in the spirit of episode party, my recommendation is <laughs> is, is maybe thematically different to everyone else's. Classic. Um 
So I I recommended a Plus Plus podcast, which is a podcast uh, put together by by Motherboard, which is an offshoot of Vice. Um, so Motherboard is kind of Vice's offshoot that specialises in technology and and the kind of intersection of technology and, and culture. Um, and we we've kind of spoke a little bit about this kind of like our, our context for listening. And obviously my my background I'm a copywriter now, but I was originally a technology journalist. Um, and so my my interest is never really technology for tech technology's sake but kind of the intersection and 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 the effects that, that technology and culture have on each other which is perhaps why i really enjoyed that episode with sam harrison and tristan um so plus plus podcast i think is a good uh a primer for issues around technology and culture um it's quite it's very much in its infancy there's only a few episodes out but i listened to a very interesting episode about um uh, surveillance apps that you can you can kind of buy on the kind of the, effectively the black market and install on on certain phones and stuff like that. And um, what was interesting about that is that I'm I'm acutely aware of those kind of apps, but the, the the podcast itself focused on how they were used in the context of domestic abuse and um, how they were used by abusers um, to kind of uh, control the movements or at least observe the movements of of the the people they were abusing, um, which I found really fascinating. But the episode I recommended is uh, an episode called, I think it's called Who Killed Off the Smart Gun? Yeah, Who, ki- who Killed the Smart Gun? Um, and to my knowledge, it's, it's actually kind of like a, uh, a cut-down version of a documentary that Motherboard did. Um, and it was a, an editor, a guy called Brian Anderson, who did it, who was looking into the attempts that have been made to create a, a smart gun, as, as the title suggests, which is one that will only uh, be, be able to be used in the hands of certain people. Um, so using like fingerprint sensors and, and things like that to ensure that the gun is otherwise disabled unless the right person is holding it, which is kind of presented as a perhaps a solution to uh, gun crime in America, um, which is the context in which they're, they're talking about it here. And I think if I was if I was to critique this particular episode myself before before I let anyone else do it for me, um, it's that it's it's very brief and and it's a very cut down version of what otherwise is a larger story. But what I think it does have on the flip side is it's it's a really nice introduction to uh, an issue that being in England and not being particularly involved in America's kind of gun scene, uh, I don't know a great deal about. Um, so I enjoy it for that reason is that it's a nice place to start as an introduction to an issue and i thought that the two uh the two different gun makers that brian spoke to were interesting and the fact that they have kind of opposing ideas on what would make a good smart gun was interesting i I thought there'd be a bit more consensus amongst amongst people who make smart guns but apparently not um but i guess you know like everything else is a commercial product so they're gonna say their one's the best um (laughs) and I, i i feel like you know it left quite inconclusively but i don't know if that's a bad thing because i don't think there is a conclusion to that story yet um other than to say that it seems to be that every time the proposal for a new smart gun comes up there are plenty of people who would rather it didn't exist because they're worried that it's this you know it's the uh thin end of a of a large wedge and that that suddenly their guns will get taken away but i'd be interested to know know what you think um matt how how did you find it I enjoyed it. I had never heard of the concept of a smart gun before, so I appreciated that introduction. And uh, just as a technical solution, it seems to make a lot of sense to me, although I, I 
admittedly have not done any research into the concept and whether the tech is there mm-hmm. and you know how successful it might be in permeating the market. And uh, I think one of my main takeaways was the very good point that it was it's more about convincing people to change their behavior rather than the development of the technology itself, which seems to be mm. a similar point to many uh, technologies that are uh, trying to enter the market right now is people just have their ideas about what, uh, what they want to use and any solutions, whether it's you know these smart guns or self-driving cars or anything else you can name of, uh, takes a lot of, uh, I guess it takes a lot of transition time to get people to adopt the new technology. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I didn't appreciate, which is definitely because of, I guess, the way that I perceive information in general and my focus on science literacy and skepticism is the, mm. the appeal to emotion that was made um, in the podcast where they uh, played the, the audio of the grieving mother who's, I think it was her son who was shot. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I totally understand the point of that and to just try to ma- convey a more visceral uh, example of the harms that, that guns do, but... Uh, I always feel manipulated when I'm presented with that sort of approach um, because I'm just I'm a data guy. I want to know what the what the stats show and how dangerous these things are, what the benefits are versus the costs. And when you start to bring emotion to it, it kind of clouds the conversation. Uh, so that would be my main criticism of the of the podcast. But overall, I enjoyed it, and uh, I'll definitely look more into smart guns to see what promises they may hold. Yeah, this this is cool. I think I think you you raise raise a really important point, um, which was which was that emotional appeal at the end, Matt. I think from my perspective, it was the it was kind of um, if I was to be really critical, it was kind of a lazy way to conclude an inconclusive story, mm. um, and it, and it didn't necessarily sit right with me either for, for maybe different reasons because I felt that it was incongruous with the rest of the narrative. But yeah, I agree that you know from a from the perspective of trying to make a clear assessment. Of of the viability of smart guns is it's not the best ending jack what did you think well firstly i think i i feel inclined to call any sort of um real world based podcast now primers or introductions in case matt comes and like destroys any fact basis uh, that i might have assumed was in there <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what was interesting i think about this one um, so I definitely felt, as you say, Fred, like a uh, a sort of a condensation of the original documentary. Um, the brevity of that definitely came through. And I think even if I had not known that it was part of a bigger project, I would have got that sense anyway. Like it kind of jumped around between a lot of um, disparate uh, ways of approaching the subject. And I think as, as you guys have highlighted, both from the perspective of the technology and then from the human side as well, I mean also didn't answer the question i thought the title was very strange because i didn't really pick up on um i mean i think there was a few voices of resistance against a smart gun um throughout the piece but i don't think there was many points at which it was really gathered together into some kind of uh, idea of why there may be some pushback on the whole against smart guns going into the market but um i think what my understanding of what this podcast is trying to do and i don't know if i'm giving them too much grace here is that it's designed to be a sort of on the road perspective on these subjects speaking to real people about their interactions with these topics and maybe as a way as quite deliberately producing a more human perspective and a more emotive perspective on the story than may be gathered by say a bbc documentary on the same subject 
I too found that maybe it meant that I just derived less from it because I was kind of aware that a lot of what was being said or a lot of things that were being raised had to be taken as anecdotal and maybe with a pinch of salt. But I thought it made for like a refreshing flip side to a lot of the podcasts which are just always feel the need to bring everything up to the highest level of like bird's eye perspective. And again, Fred's actually, you brought up that one about domestic surveillance, which I listen to as well. And whilst I'm mm. surprised that it's kind of like, it feels like quite a herky-jerky podcast for Vice. I, I always associate them with a bit more like um, artistic flair in terms of how they deliver their stuff. Um, I think the angle that it took it down was a result of someone uh, it being left uh, in the lap of maybe an individual or a small group of people and basically said, you know, someone saying to them, we don't need to have this big surface level view on this. Just drill down wherever you think may be a good direction to go. I don't know. Or or maybe they're just fudging it. That's the other possibility. Yeah. But that's what it felt like to me. Like I've, I thought this episode was definitely the most interesting of the two that I've listened to. But um, yeah, it's all right. Oh, they, Fred, are they still doing it? Because I can't see that there's been anything for a while. No, it seems to be very slow. I think the last episode took a while to come out. I feel like it, it's it's a very slow... Basically, with with everything you've said, I think it, it just draws back to that thing that it, it comes from Vice, who, for a start, are occasionally brilliant with their journalism, and then at, at some points just resort to like resort to like crass sensationalism to to, to fill pages, mm. um, and, it, and that's been the way since like kind of the it, Vice's inception as a as a kind of uh, a, an independent uh, publication, um, and I think you know these these people are very much left to kind of do do whatever they feel they want to do, and I feel like they you know go down whatever route they want to go I, th- I think that true to the kind of the original roots of, of vice as a publication they're kind of like left to kind of uh focus on very human stories um rather than rather than big issues which i in, in some ways has its appeal like i say you know the intersection of kind of technology and culture is something that i find really fascinating um but at the same time sometimes you, you kind of like you don't you don't need to know uh one individual's kind of opinion on something which is much larger than them i guess but i think I think they are still going as far as I know I haven't kind of read anything to say that it hasn't he says this could be the end of my career as a podcasting <laughs> podcaster um, but uh, yeah I, I, I think it is still going I think it's just a very slow process and I think they just seem to take some time to do their stories and I think uh, a lot of their time their stories I know that that particular story came out of a um, the one, the one about the, the the domestic abuse and surveillance apps came out of a of a larger project um, or a larger journalistic kind of uh, endeavor, and then they kind of like took some of that and created the podcast out of it. Um, and interestingly enough, Reply All, which is a, another podcast that kind of examines the intersection of technology and culture, um, perhaps more lightheartedly, they did an episode where they included the journalist who from Vice who who done that plus plus podcast ah, episode right. as well. So I think I think they're kind of um I get the feeling that Plus Plus Podcast is is very much the product of whatever else is going on uh, within Motherboard, rather than something where they've got a team working on episodes in their own right. Mm. That's that's my kind of assessment of uh, of it from some you know from an outsider's perspective anyway. Mm. I, what did you guys think of like so the intro and the ending? They sort of had the journalist in the studio just like so what's been going on with this project and it was almost like a peek behind the curtain thing you know at the end they're like oh it must have been not horrible being with that 
that woman she went through that story um and I wasn't really sure whether that gave me anything at all, like, as a an inclusion. It just kind of felt like a way of maybe making it feel like a podcast rather than an assortment of um, scraps from, a, you know, a bigger project. Maybe just a, it was the bow on top, really, that just held it all together. What, what did you guys make of that as a sort of like, what I consider to be like a packaging technique? Um, I guess, I guess, like, I, I found the intro really interesting um, from the, like, you know, because they talked about the fact that they were in a certain part of the country that was an interesting place to be um, after, you know, the election happened and the election result came out in America. And I thought I found that interesting for just setting the scene and giving me some kind of context as to where this, where this was taking place and when it was taking place. Um, and I feel it needed that because you're effectively, abs- like, you know, extracting uh, uh, the podcast out of a, a larger story so setting the scene and giving some context i felt was really useful um the ending like a, i agree with you jack it didn't do a great deal for me i guess what i'd have preferred and this might just be because i've been speaking to matt for the last hour but i guess what i preferred <laughs> is some kind of like uh somewhere i could go from there somewhere where i could you know do do further reading and maybe maybe understand a little bit more about the subject maybe understand a kind of you know what's what's been said about the subject from other sources why well, i think that would have been a, a more useful ending and i think that has been done in other podcasts where people say well if you're interested in this topic then you know this person's written a really good article on it or this person's done a really good book on it or this podcast features this in in, a, in detail and i think actually that to me has been a far more useful ending to those kind of podcasts mm. than this kind of like Oh, that was really sad. Um, which, <laughs> yeah. it, which it was, but you know, uh, it, that, and that's not you know wrong. It's just you know not necessarily useful. Yeah, I pretty much concur with all of that. Uh, I like the context that was given at the beginning regarding the American election results, and yeah, as I've already commented on, uh, I guess no need to reiterate that the ending was not so appreciated uh, on my end. And, and um, yeah, I also agree with Freddie that uh, it would be nice if they had pointed. Uh, pointed us towards some other materials that you could read up on just to give uh, further insight into it and to see where where the debate is amongst, I guess, the experts who are creating this technology and, and trying to push it out there. Well, there's your homework, Matt. You go do that and Freddie and I will be waiting. But, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what would be interesting to, well, to know from you as well, Matt, is uh, where and when you listen to your podcast, because I, I, I guess as well... I don't know if you're acting if they're acting as a gateway into a subject. I guess you you want them in an environment where they can be listened to with at least some degree of vigilance, as opposed to like me and Freddie sloshing crockery around in a you know a hot bowl. I don't know if that's the perfect environment or not. But whereabouts do you listen to your podcasts? Uh, all over, actually. Whether I'm driving to work or just going for a walk, um, I tend to put them on in environments where I just. I have to be concentrating somewhat on something else, or as I don't like if I'm in front of the computer, I I tend to just do more of my reading and and just other work and writing, and uh, so I, I can't really do too much of that while listening to podcasts. Um, so yeah, I just tend to do it more in the car, walking, or while while I'm cooking maybe, and then I just sort of try to take mental notes of the salient points, or just do a completely independent investigation into the subject and to see if the conclusions cohere with uh, what I heard in the podcast. So I think what gets me is often I listen to these information-heavy podcasts while I'm driving, and I'm like, oh, 
blimey, I wish I had somewhere to take notes now. And I end up, you know, just iterating some abstract phrase in my head over and over, bombing down the M3 until I can get somewhere and then write it down, which doesn't work ever. So, you know, that's what I struggle with is listening to these things. And because it's a sort of dynamic medium, it's sound, you know, it's there and then it's gone. Um, and I, I'm not somewhere where I can kind of snatch it out of the ether and make use of it. I wonder sometimes if I'm just letting a lot of it drip away, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. There's definitely that concern if you're not in an environment where you can pause it to take notes so you can refer back to it and, and fact check or just investigate more. Yeah, it's there's, there's no perfect solution, obviously. That's true. Well, uh, this has been lovely, as always. Um, Matt, if people want to check out more of your opinions or, or want to um, see what's happening with science literacy... Where should they be headed? I have a Facebook channel called Science Literacy Channel, and a YouTube channel is just Science Literacy. Very simple. And uh, I'll probably be starting up a Twitter account, not that I really want to be on there, but it seems to be a necessary medium to use to (laughs) to spread this stuff out there. Um, So that'll be upcoming. But so far, just on Facebook and YouTube under the the name Science Literacy. Nice. And um, while you're on the Twitters, you can also go to episode underscore party. Uh, that's where Freddie and I are based in Twitterland. And then episode dot party uh, is where we're based online. That's where podcasts can be played. And obviously, you may be listening to it on there now. If you are, you can go to iTunes podcast apps. Gets from there as well. Until the next time, though. I've been Jack Tudor. I've been Freddie Harrison. And I've been Matt Berkowitz. Lovely. Amazing. (laughs) We'll see you next time.